What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Janela Show, part two of our two-part spectacular with Jesse Spector, sports writer, formerly of Sporting News. He was their baseball national writer. Now he's found in a whole bunch of places, including FanRag, The Score in Canada, Deal Breaker, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, New Jersey Devils, Colorado Rockies. He writes for everybody. Uh, that episode one that we did was all about sports, his career, his trajectory, his path, where he's going now. If you want to listen to that, if you missed it, check out part one. This, part two, we're talking all sports and politics, how it's converging, how it's clashing, how he's handling it, if he's afraid of future employers not giving him jobs because of his political views, uh, other sports media members, and he calls them out by name, so that's good. Check that out of who he thinks is doing this well, addressing politics and not. It's a lot of crazy stuff. Plus, we do Turn the Tables, where Jesse asks me some questions, and we do the fun five where I ask Jesse a bunch of uh, crazy, silly questions that he answers in rapid fire. So uh, this is part two with Jesse. Make sure to like, subscribe, review, and rate the podcast wherever you are listening to it. And make sure to come back uh, next time. But for now, here he is with part two of our conversation, Jesse Spector. Let's put the, the sports talk uh, to the side. We'll, we'll weave it in here, I guess, a little bit. But, I mean, you're very vocal on Twitter. And you, I mean, you pull yeah. no punches. You don't, like, some people may hold back there for fear of offending a boss or getting in trouble. You don't. Were you always this vocal? Or did you just feel the need in the last, like, year and a half or so since the, the last election cycle, basically? Um, I don't know if I've... I've certainly not always been this vocal um, because there hasn't been cause um, in American history. Well, not in American history, in, in my life right. uh, to be this vocal because, uh, you know, look, look where we're at. It's, uh, it, it's pretty clear um, if you're somebody who is not um, – completely out of your mind that the president is ludicrously un- unqualified for his position that, uh, you know, he, he's actively putting all of us in danger, um, you know, just by virtue of edging us closer and closer to nuclear war. Um, and that's the least of it. Like that's, that's kind of unbelievable. Um, you know, the racism, the sexism, the homophobia, you can run down a whole list. The the damage to the environment. Every day brings 10 new reasons to freak out. 10 things that had they happened under another administration would have been the scandal of the year. Um, so there's never been a time like this. So I have not always been this vocal. Um, but you haven't needed to be. Because you haven't needed to be. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think I've ever really had fear of, at least when it comes to, um, you know, social media and, you know, before social media, you, you would have had to get something past an editor to, to have it written. Um, I did write one or two things for my college paper in 2000 about, you know, the, the flaws in the, the system, um, of, of the way that we choose presidents and, and you know all that was going on then seems quaint now. Um, hanging chads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I would give for a good hanging chad scandal uh, in in retrospect, all things considered. Now. Exactly. Uh, so, but I've I've never had a, a thought or a fear that um, 
what I said politically would put me in any kind of danger with a boss that I did have. Um, I will say I, I got yelled at pretty good by an editor last year um, when I was at the World Series in Cleveland and took a couple of pictures of fans uh, wearing full headdress or with their faces painted red. And I just simply wrote on the tweets repeatedly, uh, look at this asshole. And um, what I was told was those are just ordinary people. They are not public figures. You are wrong to just call them an asshole, to which I said, they are in a public place and they have left their house. They have gone out out to a, a spectacle presenting themselves in this manner that is quite obviously racist. And I'm going to call that out. And, you know, if you don't want me to do it, then I won't do it because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working here. If you don't want me to use those words, but I'm not going to ignore it and pretend that this isn't happening, that this isn't an issue because it is an issue. And uh, it's frustrating when something like that happens. It was, that was not something that led to my dismissal. Um, just, just to make that clear uh, what led to me being out at sporting news was entirely uh, financial reasons for sporting news. And, you know, the, the editor who yelled at me, who was not, uh, not my regular baseball editor uh, was also let go at the same time. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not like that. Just to clear that any, up, right. just to clear it up that, you know, me saying, look at this asshole about various racist dressed Cleveland fans um, was not, uh, not an issue in, uh, in why I'm not at sport news anymore. Now, uh, well, I know that I mean, said, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. That said, like, what what I said holds true. Like if you don't want if if an employer says to me, hey, you know, don't put this out there on your on your Twitter account, I won't. I mean, there's and, and I've said this, uh, you know, I've said this on Twitter. Like, if some employer was to tell me to to stop tweeting about politics, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to stop uh, entirely. I have another account that is not. Um, not at Jesse Spector and won't be affiliated with whoever I'm working for. And I can use that as an outlet. It's locked. And and that's really what it is for me is an outlet. I'm not under the impression that my, my tweets and my voice are changing the world. I'm another in a cavalcade of heterosexual white males, like with left leaning views. There's thousands of us. There's millions of us. Like, it's it's not like I'm super duper unique and spreading viral content all the time. For me, it's just a matter of I feel that I am a, a, an American citizen and really a human being at, at this point um, on, on a lot of the issues. I feel that it's my responsibility as a human being to, to not stand idly by while shit hits the fan and shit is hitting the fan. So... I'm not going to back away from that. And if it, if it's not on the super amplified voice of, you know, having 30,000 followers who see it, and it's only like, you know, two dozen on, on the other account. Is that really so much of a difference? Cause it's honestly, as much as it feels like it's kind of my responsibility, it's also fucking selfish. And it's, it's the outlet through which I can express my frustration with everything that's going on as an American and as a person. 
And, sure, and, but uh, you can't you can't discount the fact that your followership is that big, and it is selfish. But you want, I mean, I, I assume because I go through the same emotions on a much lesser scale than you, but you kind of want the validation that this large number of people are going to read what you have to say, and, and it, it is more impactful because you are you are reaching a larger audience than you would be to the two dozen going after you know Jesse Specter XX After Dark, whatever your your secret one. Is. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, I, I I think that is important, and if if you can if you can reach a couple of people here and there and and make them realize things, even if you're just you know signal boosting somebody else and, and getting important stuff in front of other people's eyeballs, that's a good thing, um, and and that's important. But I really don't want to put too much weight on on what I'm doing um, as a political speaker because it's people aren't necessarily coming to me for uh political views it's something that i'm going to give you and and i certainly hope that it's something that you appreciate um but it's it's not i'm not under the impression that that's why people are are coming to follow me on twitter right i'm sure you've gotten the stick to sports asshole like so many times in your mentions i would imagine right i I absolutely have, and my response to that is, fuck you. <laughs> this is not a time to stick sports. And I don't say that anymore, and, and honestly, like, I've, I've turned my mentions on Twitter, and this is the, the reason that I follow 2,400 people, and the reason that I have the second account. The second account is where I actually do my reading of Twitter. So that's your, um, that's your enjoyable account. Yeah. I can't keep up with 2,400 feeds. Yeah. It, yeah. It's ludicrous. Like, I put that on TweetDeck, and it just... It scrolls by. It's nonsense. Um, But the reason that I follow that many people is because I have my notifications set to show only responses from people that I follow. And if basically if I sometimes I'll look and see the unfiltered version because I'm curious and and it's just uh, a lot of time on my hands. It's Indiana Jones (laughs) when they open the temple or when they open the Ark of the Covenant and all the skulls come. Yeah, disaster. So, I mean, most of the time, I'm just looking at people that I've decided I act like. If I'm following you, it means that I want to hear from you, and I'm I'm happy to hear from you, even if we might disagree on things. Like you are somebody who can have a civil and valuable conversation, and I appreciate that. So, hooray and huzzah for that, and and yeah, you know, that's good. Um, I, I don't know if it's it, – it's certainly got to the point where it was unhealthy uh, feeling like – and I'll – I went through it the other day. I, I flipped it back to you know, show it from everybody, and I picked a particularly bad day to do it. Um, I don't remember exactly what was going on because it was you know like a week and a half ago, and a million things have happened since then. <laughs> yeah. Because that's just the, the way of the world now. Um, I was getting replies, and, and I you know did the thing where you quote tweet idiots and say, you know – uh, you know, go fuck yourself in not so many words in, in a much more clever way than that. Um, but, you know, that's that's basically the point is F you. So it, it's not healthy. And I understand that there's there's definitely people and there's definitely people that I follow who do it and who, you know, do it much better than I do of of the sick burns on idiots. Um, you know, Bamani Jones is amazing at it. And, and it's much more valuable when he does it too, because he's calling out like straight up racists, and I'm calling out people who are just kind of morons. 
who are also straight up racist, but not being racist to me at the uh, moment. Right. I'm white. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's that kind of thing where I don't get the for me, I don't get the emotional value of of doing that all the time. I find it to be more exhausting than good. <laughs> yeah. So because after a while, I mean, the, the idea, the ideal is that you're going to be this white knight uh, writing all these wrong opinions and, and showing people the light online. But that doesn't happen. It ends up just being a back and forth and you, what's the old cliche? Like never wrestle with a pig in mud because they're going to, you're going to get dirty and they're going to love it. And that's what Twitter ends mm-hmm. up being. So, it is, and and I I don't have time for that. Yeah. So let me ask you. So there are two things. Let me the two questions. Everything that you said there. Uh, one, uh, you mentioned how you couldn't stand idly by anymore. That the, you know, current days, the reason you become so vocal and and outspoken is because you feel the times necessitate it, and that you're a human being. I love when you put it that way. So let me ask you: when you see other people in the industry, similar positions to you, people who are just saying, I don't want to get involved. I'm just going to, I am going to stick to sports or pop culture or inter- whatever your line of work is. Do you feel like they, they're, they deserve that right? Or do you look condescendingly on people that are basically just seeing all this shit happen and washing their hands of it? It depends on who the person is. Um, quite, How so? Quite honestly. If it's, you know, if if it's somebody who you know doesn't uh, doesn't want to put themselves in a position to alienate a large chunk of people, and they view their if you're somebody who views your social media existence as being entirely about the sport, like I have no idea what Ken Rosenthal's uh, politics are. I could take a pretty good guess, but, but I, I shouldn't say I have no idea. I have, you know, some idea based on just, you know, knowing him a little bit and, and who he is. Um, but he's not putting, I I would not know at all. I have no idea from his social media of, of what he's doing. Um, you know, on that regard. Um, and, and that's fine because he's the, the top, a baseball reporter for the national rights holder. And, and I totally understand why he would not wade into it. That makes sense to me. Um, if it's somebody who's saying, um, you know, can't, can't we all just stick? That's, that's the one that gets me is when it's, when you're sticking to sports without saying stick to sports, that's fine. Like you've made that choice. If, if you're, if your whole social media presence is entirely about sports or entirely about pop culture, entirely about whatever, and you're just apolitical about it, but that's fine. When it becomes a problem is when you're somebody who says, can't we just stick to sports here uh, as the sports writer? Because even as the sports writer saying, let's just keep it on sports, you are now taking a, a position. Stick to sports is a position. And it's it's tough to to draw that distinction of for whom it's okay and for whom it's not. I would say for somebody in Ken's position, that's fine, and and he's not saying it because he doesn't have to say it. Like, whereas like Heyman is is out there, um, you know, he won't necessarily go hard, 
but he makes it pretty clear every now and again exactly you know, what his viewpoint is here of of the general you know atmosphere that's going on you know he he'll take a pot shot at Trump every now and again you know often making a joke about it and, and not you know going off on long threads and and that's fine um you know it to each person it's it's a matter of how comfortable you are but what's troublesome to me is the people who act like um you know that they're not doing anything when really you are uh when when really you're sending a message of uh this is okay uh this this is what's going on is okay and you know we can deal with this um that's that's when it's troubling and, and i saw a uh, who was it last week that that was basically doing it was um the flyers guy from the inquirer who's wouldn't wouldn't know him yeah uh sam Cracciti was the guy who who was saying you know it's uh it's i don't i, I don't want to mischaracterize i cuz it was oh it, it was uh you know he, he had a thing like nobody here uh takes a knee at this rangers flyers preseason game uh, these guys get it. Well, you might say that you're just uh, sticking to sports with that. You are not. Yeah. Like, and, and it's reached a point, especially in the last two weeks, with with the NFL, and you know, it's not like uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick's not in the league right now. So it's uh, it started before this year with with him. Uh, the taking any during anything has obviously become a much bigger issue in the past couple of weeks, and if you're talking about it, you are taking a position, whether you mean to or not. And uh, I think that there has to be. You should be smart enough as a media member to recognize that that's the case. You know, you're in this position. You can't play dumb. You, know, you you can play dumb when you're doing interviews. That's kind of part of the gig, and that's uh, that's an important thing to be able to do. Is that even when you know what the other person is talking about, you have to. That's that's a way to get good materials. You have to act a little dumber than you really are, but you can't play it that way on on Twitter because, for one thing, everybody sees it, and for another thing, you know, there's always receipts and. You know, you're able to go back and and find times that uh, somebody didn't necessarily stick to sports, and and you're saying, oh, so stick to sports now. But when you say, you know, when you've covered um, an incident in past, and this was the case with the Flyers guy, um, like five years ago, uh, there was a preseason game where Wayne Simmons, who's black, had a banana thrown at him in a preseason game in London, Ontario, and um, and the way that Carcitti described it was uh that simmons response of, of not making too big a deal out of it was classy well that's kind of loaded and the word classy is loaded in its own way and you're making it clear you know with what side of of these issues you are coming down on and, and that's the thing that i think that you know I think a lot of people don't realize to what extent they are constantly telling on themselves and, and that's that's important. And for me, better to just be out there and be clear with, with who you are and what you think. If you are 
in a position where your employer doesn't want you doing it, then stay away from it entirely. Uh, you know, don't touch it. And that, that in its own can be a really tough thing to do now because these things intersect so very often. And, and, you know, I don't envy the people that are in a position where they've got to find a way to say something without saying anything, where you say that, you know, event is occurring without taking any position on it one way or another, because any kind of adjectives you use can be and will be and probably should be read into because you are helping to shape the conversation uh, as you're reporting the news. And, and that's something that I think that, you know, anybody in a media position has to be aware of at the same time, you know, if, if you want to go ahead and weigh in on whatever it is, um, you, you don't have to necessarily be prepared to argue about it with anybody. You can say that, you know, what I'm saying speaks for itself and, you know, that's, that's your right as well. It's, it's something that everybody has to kind of find their own comfort zone with. I don't think that everybody should be super outspoken because it's not in everybody's wheelhouse to do it. And that's, uh, that's fine. You can let action speak louder than words. That's, that's a totally valid and fine thing to do. And a different way that, that I look at that is, um, is just, you know, a, a much less touchy subject is, um, is charity stuff. Like some people find it important to, to go out there and, um, you know, show what they're doing. Um, partly some people just write an anonymous check. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, um, I, I've always, always thought that, um, and this, I, I don't take a lot from religion. I'm not a religious person. But one of the things that, that I picked up in Hebrew school a long time ago was um, that kind of the purest form of charity is that you don't know who's getting it and they don't know where it's coming from. And uh, I don't know why that sticks with me, but it's something that, that does feel right to me that somebody who's on the receiving end of charity uh, uh, should just be able to take it and not necessarily feel that they are indebted to anybody, uh, that they that they are able to receive this because there is good in the world and good in the universe. Um, and, and that even in the worst of times, especially in the worst of times, that yes, there are people out there who will look out for you and help you. And I think that that's, that's a good thing and a wonderful part of humanity. And um, at the same time, you know, on, on the flip side of, of giving to charity. Um, my feeling is, you know, you, you know who you're giving it to, obviously, unless you're just putting it in, uh, in, in a box, uh, somewhere, um, that's marked charity. Right? This, this, <laughs> in Judaism. Well, in, in Judaism, like outside the sanctuary, there's, there's the Sadaka box, um, which Sadaka means charity. And like you, you put some money in there. Um, you know, same, same as, as passing the, Passing the hat, passing yeah, the to where the um, money goes, you don't know. You, you donate it, and you're hoping it goes right. up in the right place. Yeah, I, I, that kind of thing. Um, so, like, I, I'm not going to criticize anybody who talks about uh, what they do in a charitable way because it's it's good, I think, to promote the idea of charity and of doing good. But at the same time, it's it's something that. I, I did that once and I didn't feel comfortable with it. And, 
So, you know, I, I, I'm not going to talk about it because it's, it's something that is, um, you know, what I do in that regard is my own business and what you do in, in that regard is your own business. And, and that's fine. Everybody should, should do things in that way, in a way that is comfortable and right to them. And I think that the same general principle applies to, uh, I, I can't think of a better term than going outside your lane. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and either, yeah, you're in it or you're not, but don't pretend like you're, you know, breaking down this fourth wall or something. You're on one side of the fence or the other. You can't really have it both ways in terms of, you know, you're either out there or you're not when it comes to vocalizing your opinion that way, getting outside yeah. your lane, like you said. Um, last question on this, Jesse, because I do, we still have a couple of quick segments at the end that I like doing with everybody for fun. Okay. But do you ever worry about a future employer, like seeing you and let's say your, your public Twitter profile, like, oh, we like this guy, we like his writing, but ah, a little too hot button for us. I think we're going to pass on him. Do you even care about that? Yes. Um, I, I'd, I'd be lying if I said no. Um, How I don't much do care you care, about... I guess, is the question then. Not enough to stop me. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, I, and the way that I feel about that is that it's, it's something that if, if you feel like as an employer that like I'm so toxic that you wouldn't even touch me because I've got, you know, public tweets in the past um, that are political and, and that are outspoken, um, I probably don't want to work. Wouldn't want to work there, right. Wouldn't be a good fit. Um, I, like I said, if, if I had an employer who said, stop doing this, I'd go right ahead and stop. Like I, if I had an employer who said, shut down your Twitter feed, I'd be like, sure, no problem. And, and thank you. I don't have to worry about yeah. dealing with all these people anymore. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for giving me the out. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. So I would, I would like to work for somebody who at least, if they had a problem with, with my social media presence, that would at least take the time to talk about it because it, it's not like it's non-negotiable. And I think that that's not too much to ask for, uh, for somebody that I would want to work for to be reasonable about that because I'm willing to be reasonable about it. I, I'm not, I'm not out here saying you're not going to silence me. Like, <laughs> right now, reasonability and dialogue. If only we had more of that across the country we may be in different straits than we are now. Yeah. Um, all right, Jesse, I do always end the show with a couple of same two segments for everybody. And the first one, after, we'll get to the fun five in a sec, but I like to call this turn the tables. I let you ask me any questions. So it could be anything. You also don't have to. You can just say no thanks. But if you'd like to turn the tables on me and ask me any one thing, I like to share the spotlight here. So fire away. All right. Um, who's your favorite superhero? It's such a lame answer, but Superman. I'm a big like main character person. All right. Yeah, it's like Leonardo, my favorite Ninja Turtle. Vinny Chase was my favorite Entourage character, even though, you know, they're both super uninteresting compared to everyone else. So Superman, he's just, he's, he's the guy. So I, I always gravitate to those guys. I'm an oldest sibling. I think that's some psychological thing to it. But yeah, Superman's my guy. Now, is that more comic books or movies? Uh, movies uh, and TV shows from when I was a kid. So like the cartoons okay. or Lois and Clark, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, yeah, never into like the comic books themselves, more of the movies and the shows. So, I haven't read comic books in a long time, but um, 
I was definitely, a, I have other characters that I like, and I was definitely a DC guy, um, you know, all through time of, uh, my rotation was Superman, The Flash, um, a little bit of Green Lantern, and uh, a short-lived comic called Impulse uh, that was a, a cousin of the Flash. He was a teenager that lived in Alabama that um, really kind of fit well for me at, at the time that I was reading comic books. Is, and then just like as far as movies go, like I, I got into the Spider-Man ones, but never really that many of the other comic book movies. And it's funny because like I'm, I'm into the, the idea and the notion, but I also just haven't been a big movie watcher for several years now especially like as the the boom in comic book movies has happened like i saw the avengers but i haven't really seen uh very much else even though there's stuff out there that that would interest me so yeah uh, i'm the opposite any super i was never into the comic books but any of the movies i don't care how bad the reviews if it's one of these superhero marvel dc properties i'm there probably opening weekend I don't know. What, I like cool. the, I like the mythology. I just like uh, you know the the yeah. uh, the stringing through the of the IP. I'm just I'm Hollywood. I'm their bait. I'm their mark. So, whatever. Take my money. Um, all right, Jesse. Last uh, segment. It's the fun five. Five quick fun questions designed for you and you alone. Uh, you're also a big pro wrestling fan like me. I thought about making all five of these WWE related, but I only make oh geez. only make two out of the five. Um, okay. Your favorite wrestling moment of all time. You could have been there live. It could have been watching at home. But what's the one? wrestling moment that's the still best in your memory i've never been live and ah. uh yeah <laughs> so uh, it's something that i i intend to remedy at some point but i just i have not done it i've it, it's funny I've, I've gone through a couple of wrestling phases in my life uh one of them being you know kind of shortly when i was a kid and then again in college uh just briefly but then I, I will say what really got me back into it, and this is my answer to your question, is uh, a couple of years ago, one night, I was just you know flipping around and seeing, you know, oh, what's happening on Raw? Because I was like, you know, I've, I've always just sort of flipped channels to it every now and then just to see what kind of silliness they were up to. And Dean Ambrose was out there, and I don't remember off the top of my head. It's, it's a shame that I don't. Um, but it was, I guess the show was in Brooklyn, and Dean Ambrose came out and like with a hot dog cart. Yes, I remember that episode. It he, was he went to Coney Island, quote unquote. Yeah, and got a hot yeah. Dog it was. Uh, the I guess it was various members of the Authority at that point that he, you know, then took the hot dog cart, like sprayed ketchup and mustard on them, and then beat the dog cart umbrella. And I was like, all right, I'm here for this. And I've been watching WWE really ever since then. Um, so that moment of just abject stupidity and silliness uh, connected with me, and it's uh, it it's been helpful the the past year or so to uh, to be able to tune in for three to five hours a week. Uh, I'd say some selective DVR fast forwarding. Oh, uh, you need to, to escape yeah. from the world. <laughs> And I t- and no, you know, it's you gotta suspend your disbelief because Linda McMahon is a member of the cabinet and Vince mm-hmm. has ties with Donald Trump. But that is it is one place, and people always ask me, why do you watch wrestling? They don't get it. And now I can add, it's a great point. For like two, three hours, you can just be in this bubble of a fake world, fake sports, which gets you away from everything that's crazy going on in the outside world, and it's it's very refreshing. Uh, question number two in the Fun Five, Jesse. Uh, it. What current athlete, real quote-unquote sports athlete, would you most love to see 
in a WWE ring? Who'd be the best pro wrestler of a of a current athlete? Ooh, I mean, we've kind of seen Gronk. Yeah, WrestleMania so, this year. That's true. I think that that he'd be interesting at it. Um, I don't know. I think that like the the go to answer for like anything doing something athletically is is always LeBron. Like he's just so amazing. It, it, you know, and I think that's uh, he, he's a little older now, so that's maybe that's better. Strange, he, he, he can, yeah, he can transition out of NBA and head over to WWE. I mean, if Karl Malone did it back in the '90s, LeBron James can certainly do it uh, now. So that's a good answer. Uh, question number three. If maybe LeBron's the answer to this one too. I ask this question to reporters all the time. Uh, if you could live the life of any specific athlete, so like a Freaky Friday body switch uh, for a week, who would you trade lives with? Um, huh. Roger Federer. Ooh, Federer. Yeah. Give me a ten-second reason why. I I think that. Oh, maybe not for a week, but for a year. Um, you know. One, you're Roger Federer, and you're the the greatest male tennis player who's ever lived, um, and, and you know we'll hold that title for probably ten years or so until the next guy comes along, because that's that's just sort of the way that these things work. Uh, I I wouldn't. It's I love the idea of like if I had to pick a, a sport that I could play professionally, it would be tennis because it's a fun game to play. And you get to go all over the world for a week at a time and, um, you know, two weeks for the majors. But get to go to all kinds of places around the world, see the world, and, and play tennis. And I think that's that's a lot cooler than, uh, you know, being in a in a league where, you know, nothing against uh, – You got to be in St. Louis for three days and Louis pizza. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's a little different. So I, I would take uh, international tennis player. Uh, I would take – I'll say this too. I would take Federer. I would rather be Federer than Serena only because I am sure that, like, even when you're Serena Williams, you have to deal with, you know, just dumbass sexism and racism in your life. And I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't want to immediately sign up for that. I think that if, if you're trading places with somebody in the world for, you know, some period of time, and you want to, you know, live the best life that way, and not necessarily have the huge learning experience. Uh, stick with a white man. Yeah, it's a, it's a much We've more. We've got he- it good. Much more world. hedonistic route than uh, the yeah. revelatory one. Um, and those Nike checks, whether you're Serena or Roger, they don't bounce those sponsorship checks. So that's not a bad yeah, aspect yeah, of good. your life either. Um, question number four: uh, If you had, and I'm going to time you here, ten seconds. If you had a ten second audience with Donald J. Trump himself, he's right in front of you, face to face. What would you say in those 10 seconds? Ready, set, go. Dick punch, dick punch, dick punch, dick punch, dick punch, dick punch, dick punch. Go fuck yourself. You suck. I know the P-tape is real, and you suck. Time. Wow, that was like 9.7 seconds. You were really good. Nice job at that. You could be in WWE. You could be like a new Paul Heyman. Cut a nice promo on, on time. It's a lot of, lot of dick punches. A lot too. of dick punches. Yeah, I'm, you... not a violent, I'm not a violent person. I am really a pacifist, but... That guy needs to be punched in the dick. Yeah, well, yeah. If we talk about what athlete you wanted to be, maybe a, a boxer would be a better, a better <laughs> metaphor for you. Now, all things considered. Uh, last question for you, Jesse, in the fun five. Number five, best game you've ever covered in terms of the one you – it's just number one in your memory bank. Oh, last year, Game 7 World Series. That's, that's easy and 
um, kind of weirdly, weirdly poetic that it was the last game that I covered for Sporting News because after that game, um, you know, Cubs win the World Series, crazy comeback by Cleveland, um, you know, then the rain delay, then the Cubs win in the next innings, and, and everything happens. I spent a good long time uh, walking around downtown Cleveland after that, just thinking about it and, and thinking about like how crazy it was and and really just sort of came to a, a moment where um, I ran in, you know, ran into a friend of mine uh, outside the hotel, another another writer, and said to him, like, I don't know how we ever cover another game after that. Because what is going? You, you what are you going to see that tops that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously, I, I have covered games since then because I've you know stayed in the business, even though um, I was I was let go by that employer uh, like a, a week and a half later. <laughs> so, it was, like you say, uh, what a hell of a way to go out! That's how you, that's yeah. how you end uh, a stint at a baseball publication is by covering and, and Game Seven of a Cubs World Series win. It's funny because up until then, my answer would have been uh, Game Seven in, in Kansas City with the Giants. Uh, that was just that was wild. You know, the the job that Bumgarner did that night, and uh, you know, the the way that it ended with the tying run on third after yep. what could have maybe been an inside the park. Just run send Gordon home, just for history's sake, just to see what happens. Yeah, I, I yeah. Hold him. Oh. I did the math on it, and a a decent throw has him out by plenty. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was, that's early stat cast, but it was like, you could, you could work it out. And like his only chance to score would have been on a wild throw. So it was well, that, a good, I want to see it. I want, I don't, I don't care about the, yeah, the stats but and, and yeah, the logic. You can, I want to see the visceral emotion and the, and the, and the play calling there. How much do the odds of a wild throw go up in that situation? Yeah. You know, World series on the line. Most uh, stressful situation you're ever going to find yourself in. Yeah. You know. You'll live forever, but in, in what way? Yeah, it's a good, one way or the other. Your name is going to be on Wikipedia somehow. Uh, all right, Jesse, I kept you for a lot longer than I expected. I think I'm going to end up breaking this into two episodes. Uh, <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> that way we get uh, we'll do like the sports episode and the politics <clears throat> episode. It'll be it'll be good content, uh, multi multi episodic content. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you, Jesse, uh, in terms of any social media or websites you want to plug. Where can they get more of you if they haven't had enough already? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Jesse Spector if you want to see me uh, not spout off on a whole bunch of politics uh, and just read the things that I write and the work that I do, uh, where I get paid for it. Everything I do, I link on my Facebook page, which you can find at, uh, at facebook.com slash writer Jesse Spector. Um, aside from that, I'm at FanRag. I'm at DealBreaker. I'm at the score every now and then, I, I guess weekly, because uh, we, we kind of went through a lull at the end of baseball season, um, and I'm going to be doing more hockey and basketball for them uh, over the winter, so that'll be cool. Uh, and I'll pop up various other places, uh, the Devil's website, uh, for one. I should definitely include that. And if you are uh, if you have access to a time machine and can go to some Rockies games from this summer, uh, go pick up a scorecard. Beautiful. I'm sure they're on eBay somewhere or Amazon. You can pick one up yeah. and check Jesse out there in retrospect. Uh, Jesse, awesome, man. Hopefully I'm more on the end of uh, the fan and, and K-Mox and all those good outlets that you like going back to and not those uh, podunk sports radio towns that you're never going to come back on the show again. 
Well, I, I sure didn't hang up on you, so that's That's good. a good point. That's a great point. Uh, Jesse Spector, thank you so much, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of the baseball playoffs, and, and good luck. You're staying busy. I'm, I'm happy to see it. And then hockey season's starting right around the corner. So uh, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again down the road. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Make sure you guys check out MikeJanella.com, too. That's where you'll find. I'll have links to all of Jesse's stuff. If you were too lazy to write it down, you can just check it out there. You can also listen to all previous episodes of this show. The other episode, if I break this into two parts like I'm planning on, uh, of this show as well with Jesse. And also the information on the great outro music you're hearing as we speak. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Like it, rate it, review, subscribe. And we'll see you next time. I'll try and do better next time. See ya!